No, no, never. You should never wash my feet. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. One of you is going to betray me. What are you, who, who is it? It's the one I'm going to give this piece of bread to. What are you talking about? You can't go with me now. Why can't I follow you now? I'll lay my life down for you. You will disown me three times. Peter, what are you, what are you talking about? And you know the way to where I am going. We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? I am the way and the truth and the life. When everything is ready, I will come and get you. Um, we're going to carry on in our Upper Room series now, and we move into John 14, which, strangely enough, will be one of the passages that Billy Graham spoke on the most. So I just wanted to, uh, to highlight that as a way of... Uh, Remembering him. Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Believe also in me. In this upper room setting, there was a lot of tension in the air because the disciples knew this was different to other times. And, and so Jesus talks to the very heart of our being when he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And if we could, we would stop here for a long time and meditate upon these words, because this is almost a command, isn't it? Don't let your hearts be troubled. And yet the words that follow are so powerful, it's easy to forget what Jesus is actually saying to us here. He's saying, look, I know you live, I know we live in a broken world where troubled hearts are the norm. From the time of Adam and Eve when they, when they sinned in the garden and, 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 and that per perfect environment of Eden was destroyed through till the first two men, two children born, one killed each other, Cain killed Abel, there's been trouble, isn't there? And it seems that the day and age that we live in at the moment, there is trouble everywhere. You know, there's a lot of positive things going on in our country. You know, a lot of people are employed at the moment. Um, there's some good money to be made. House prices are really, really difficult. An emerging generation is going to struggle with that. But, of course, you know, New Zealanders, we have an, an enormous amount to be grateful for. But around the world as a whole, we're exposed to things that we've never been exposed to before. Floods and famines come into our television rooms. Uh, the likes of war in Africa, war in the Middle East... All of these things surround us and trouble our hearts. But Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And so what he's doing here is he's tying together this traditional faith that the Jewish people had in God, and now he's connecting himself with God. He's saying, listen, there is more to my journey here with you than what meets the eye. And he's going to go on and explain how a relationship with him is a relationship with God. What he's saying is, whatever trouble comes, if you, tr if you trust in me, you trust me, then I've, I've got this covered. Trust me, I've got this. And even through times of great difficulty, great sadness, even times of death, Death which seems unfair. 
Oh, we prayed for Emily today as, uh, uh, as we were led in prayer. Emily is in her 30s. She's struggling with cancer. She's in a coma. And she's got a, 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 a two-year-old and a three-month-old. And we go, that just troubles me. That just troubles me. But what we see when we read Scripture is that Jesus is providing a way in which our troubles can be carried. And our sense of eternity is enhanced through these words because we realize that this life is just a short passage of time. And Jesus is wanting to put this into perspective as well. Now, I remember hearing the story or reading this story about um, two, um, two vegans who arrived in heaven. And they were looking around heaven and they were saying, wow, this is amazing. And the husband turned to the wife and with some anger, he said, if you hadn't had me on that vegan diet, we would have been here 10 years earlier. All right, there's enough of that. I'm in trouble already. I'm in trouble already. Trust me, I've got this. Um, some years ago, I was um, traveling with some friends down in Fjordan going on a hunting trip, and we, we flew out of Milford Sound. The airstrip there is just a little one. And this day, it was particularly rough, particularly windy, and there was sort of touch-and-go decisions being made about whether we should fly or not. And the idea was that we were going to fly out through the sound, hang a right, go up the coast, around about a 15-minute drive up to Big Bay. And um, drive, fly. And um, so we stacked all the gear into the plane, and uh, I was sitting up front next to the pilot, just a, a four-seater plane with enough room for all our gear. And uh, we took off from the airport, and we were around about a kilometre into this bumpy journey going down the, the sound. And I looked down in front of me, and I could see on the water this little mini tornado, like a water spout being formed. And uh, I, I assumed the pilot had seen it. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But we flew straight into this um, water spout. And with that, we hit a low pressure zone. And we just sunk. The whole plane just sunk. And all the alarms were going on the plane. Doot, 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 doot. And the, one of my mates hadn't put a seatbelt on because who listens to instructions? And, uh, and he was literally pinned to the roof of the plane. And we just dropped, and I was like, hello, Jesus, we're going to see you soon. And, um, oh, I wish I'd said that. Um, <laughs> down went the language, down went the plane. And uh, anyway, we, it was only a, a temporary thing. This is all over in about four or five seconds. And we, we flew through it. And, um, and I turned to the pilot and I said, wow, that was pretty dangerous, eh? And he was like, he literally said, just another day in the office. <laughs> and what he's saying is, I've got this, you know. And, and in a similar vein, um, when Michaela and I flew back from the States just this last week, uh, we got told on this Air New Zealand plane that the captain of the plane, Captain Monk, uh, this would be his last flight with, after 35 years of service with Air New Zealand. And so it was kind of cool, you know, everybody clapped to him and everything. Um, but the same sense in which, yeah, this guy's been doing this for 35 years. 
he's got this, you know? Uh, he also arranged the cabin crew to give Makeda an upgrade to two seats in a, in a higher class seating area. <laughs> two. And I was down the back with the, the animals and <laughs> the crying children. Um, but it was such a blessing to see us serve that well. Yeah. <laughs> no, to be honest, they were fantastic. Really were. Got to give credit where it's due. Yeah, she slept so well. Uh, <laughs> I got this. What else has Jesus said to us before this event of the upper room? He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What will you eat or drink or about your body? What you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Are those good words? There was a lady who was concerned about her husband who was always worrying. Worrying about everything. And she finally confronted him one day and said, why do you worry so much? He said, well, I've heard statistically that 90% of the things that you worry about don't come to pass. So therefore, the more that I worry about, the less trouble there will be. <laughs> Which is sort of true in a way. Um, but you notice here that Jesus is defining um, needs, not wants. And a lot of our discipleship, a lot of our discipline, if you like, as children of God, centers around what we worry about and what God answers us with. Have you noticed that? And so therefore, our confidence in God comes back to that very first line. It says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. It, it doesn't mean that, you know, we become street people. Um, we've got to be able to take responsibility. But worry just robs you. Robs you of your joy. Robs you, robs you of your ability to be able to plan a future with a positive outlook, doesn't it? And yet it's so easy to worry. In fact, it seems like our whole society is geared around worry. You watch the first 20 minutes of the news, you'll be worried. Yeah? You look at advertising, you think, oh gosh, I'm missing out. You know, if I don't wear that new Rex owner, the girls won't like me. You know, it's, it's all about what you're missing out on. And if we can create worry in each other, that will create momentum uh, for things to be purchased. And, you know, if you don't have this safe car, you, you know, you're really going to sacrifice your children, you horrible parent, you. And so it goes on. Do not worry. It's such a contradiction to the way the world works, doesn't it? There is 
things, there are things to worry about, but there is a way through this, and that is to have a, have a closer walk and closer confidence in Jesus. One of the things that <clears throat> I think we quickly lose when we become Christians is what it actually feels like to be lost. I know for myself, becoming a Christian in my early 20s, that was one of the first things that I was overwhelmed by, is that sense of uh, worry, that sense of things not making sense, the, the sense in which my future was in my own hands, the responsibility that came with all of that. And, and for me to be able to come back to God and say, God, I now trust you. I'm not going to be concerned. I'm not going to worry about this in the way that I might once have done. It was just a huge relief. And that transformation in my own spirit was, was enough of a gift, enough of a miracle in itself for me to realize that a living relationship with Christ makes a huge difference. And we lose sight of that because there are people all around us who are enormously confused we see what social media does to people as they try to put their best life in front of everybody else in the hope that one day it will actually come true. This, they call it FOMO, fear of missing out. Yeah? FOMO. It, 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 it ties people in knots. We heard just on the news this last couple of days talking about how many women now are ending up in our jails and social media is one of the reasons why this is happening because people fear missing out or being intimidated online by people who never would have done because they didn't have the ability to do so. So these things start to impact all of us. I can remember one time being down on the East Coast on a hunting trip, and um, it was getting pretty dark, and I heard a deer break through the bush probably about 30 or 40 metres away from me. So I decided to stalk it. So I'd take a few steps and then I'd hear the deer take a few steps. I hadn't seen it. Then I heard the same thing. And this went on for about 45 minutes. It was, a, it was quite a game, really. You almost, personal, you almost put a personality into the deers if they're like watching you, having you on, and they're going to tell their friends about it later. That's the way you feel. But by the time I'd finished playing this game and uh, didn't have any, any luck seeing it at all but only hearing it, I realized that it had got dark, literally got dark. And here I was on a knoll, and um, I had no way whatever where home was, you know, because hills are great because you either go up or down. It's simple. Even I can work that out. Yet on a knoll, you don't know which way to go. There was no moon, et cetera, et cetera. But thankfully, uh, I had my GPS on me, you know, so that's easy these days. I pulled it out <clears throat> and uh, I pumped it up so that it was really, really big. So it just covered on the screen an area of only about 30 meters. And what I would do is um, I'd walk off in one direction and I'd see which way I was going on the GPS and then I'd walk back the other direction and I finally worked out which way I'd come from so therefore I would follow that back. But the thing about being lost and before GPSs came in, there is this really, really crazy feeling that comes over us when we're lost. Any of you ever experienced that? It's a, um, it's, a, it's a really, really unusual feeling. It's a panic of sorts because all of a sudden you're out of control. And, and I, can hear, I hear these stories of, of trampers and hunters doing really, really dumb things. And you go, why on earth do they, 
do that? Why did they decide to swim across that swollen river? You know, why did they go? The, and, and it's so easy to understand because that's what happens to lost people. They make bad decisions. They make panic decisions. They make worried decisions. And it takes an enormous amount of self-control to keep your peace. So Jesus is talking to his friends in the upper room, and he says this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. You like that? If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Now, I've talked about this before at um, funerals. Um, so you, 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 you may well have heard this illustration, but this, these words here are not just sort of words that are grabbed out of nowhere. They're, they're in a context and they're in a time when Jesus is talking here about going to prepare a place for us. What would happen in the day is that um, folks would travel together from one town to another. But what would occur is as they're going along these, these long roads, this is a photo I took when I was in Spain doing the Camino last year, um, when you go along these long roads, you'd, you'd get some of the younger men usually, and they would always want to be going faster anyway. And so they'd lighten their loads and they'd let them go, and they would go up to the next town where they were choosing to stay the night. And um, they would prepare a place for the rest of the traveling party to come and stop. See? And so you can only imagine what that conversation would have looked like as people were walking along together, maybe a mixture of ages, young and old, going at quite a sedate pace. And they would wonder, hey, um, I wonder what the boys are going to get us prepared for tonight. Oh, I'd really like a nice place with a soft bed. I'd love to have a place with a good meal and you know, boy, it's been so hot, wouldn't some nice, cool water to wash and bathe and be just wonderful? And when you hear this, you, you understand now what Jesus is saying in these words. You just look down there in verse 3. And he said, oh, sorry, uh, yeah, verse 2, My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. So what would happen is these young men would go off, book a place, prepare a place, and then they would turn around and come back down the road to find the traveling party. And, and there would be this anticipation there. They would see them coming back and they'd say, oh, I wonder what we've got tonight. You know, I wonder where we're staying. And, and the men would say, man, you would not believe it. We've scored this place where we're going to stay, and it's just brilliant. Can you imagine the anticipation of that? And this is what Jesus is saying. And in another context, he says about heaven, the place where we will ultimately be, he says, no, I has seen, no mind has conceived, even thought about what I have prepared for those who love me. Yeah? And this just injects into our spirit a sense of confidence because Jesus has gone ahead of us. He is the one leading. He is giving us a story here which is in a context, in time, which talks about people going ahead and coming back and then taking you to a fantastic place. And, and that picture for me is just, 
an outstanding confidence-building um, story that I just can't let go. So, the reason why I put this picture up is because um, I was traveling with Peter last year, and this was a really, really hot day. And we'd done our 25Ks, and there, was no, there were no villages in sight. And we're going down this long road, and uh, it's one of those roads where you, after about 20 minutes, you turn around and you look back, and it looks like you haven't left. And there's just so much in front of you. And uh, it was really hot. And I said to Pete, rest assured, over that hill there, there's a town. And it's going to be fantastic because I've stayed there before. And, um, and sure enough, we go over this hill. Because what happens on these flat plains in Spain is that all the villages are built down in the ravines to get away from the wind, you see. So we go along and we look over this, over this hill down into this ravine. And there was a beautiful, classic Spanish setting and it was just a place of reinvigoration and, and life for us. And uh, we had the ability to, to enjoy that. Thomas said to him in the upper room, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Here Jesus redefines religion. In these words, Jesus has taken all of known history about our relationship with God, and in these words, he redefines it by saying, if you are looking for an answer, well, I am the answer. If you're looking for truth, I am the truth. If you're looking for a way to heaven, if you're looking for a way out of your trouble, then that's me. A profound statement, which leaves us sitting in the process of decision, doesn't it? Sitting in that place where you look at these words and you can only say, yes, I believe that, or no, I don't. Yes, I believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, or the guy is crazy. The guy is crazy. If you met somebody today who said, I'm the way to heaven, I am the truth, and I'm the life, you look at them and go, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would. And so this is such a defining verse. And this is what I mentioned early on about Billy Graham. These, these verses, these words, were so defining for him. Because as I'm doing today, as I'm, I'm inviting people to say, put your trust in Christ. Put your confidence in him. Because he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. When it comes to someone being the way, it's really a matter of putting your confidence in that person, isn't it? Allowing them to lead you. Again, Spain last year, I, I stumbled upon this scene, and I, it's really captivated me over the last nine months. I hope we can see it. Here's a, a shepherd up the front there with his dog, leading his sheep through a village. Eh? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. 
He restores my soul. Yeah? He leads me beside still waters. And you see this, this picture here is, is so um, atypical of this European environment. A New Zealand farmer would have five dogs and a quad. And they'd be coming up the rear, and the dogs would be yapping, and the eye dogs would be eyeballing the other sheep, you know, to get them to move. And uh, all this, get them behind. Get way out, way out. Bring it in, bring it in, bring it in. Good dog, good on you. Well done. But none of that here. The shepherd just walks. And the sheep follow. And he leads them to green pastures. And he walks beside still waters where the sheep can drink. We are a blessed people. We are. Because the upper room, as we know, will ultimately bring us to the cross. Where there we find our sins have been paid for. All of our deeds, all of our misdeeds that have separated us from God, separated us from one another, have been paid for on the cross. So that we can freely follow our shepherd, freely follow our leader and our hearts need no longer be troubled. Let's just bow our heads where we are. Father, these are words that secure us. They're like words that hold us tight and give us every confidence that you're in control of our life. This morning, if, you, if you're feeling this sense of urgency or panic or insecurity about your future, um, I, don't want, I, don't want, I don't need you to acknowledge this to me, but acknowledge this to God. And by doing that, why don't you just put your hand up in sort of a physical way of saying, God, remember me. So if you're feeling that you've got some really deep concerns, just, just put your hand up just for a second, and then you just say to God, remember me. Do that. Father, I pray for these folks who in this time maybe feel like the shepherd is so far in the distance they can't see him. Their hearts are troubled. Lord, I pray that you draw close. That the promises of Scripture would remind us that you have our lives in control, even in the most dire of circumstances. that you've gone to prepare a place. That this, this life is just a, a passing through to a greater reality of eternity. And I pray, Lord, for those who have never put their faith in Christ and are sitting on that edge of trying to work out whether this Jesus truly is who he says he is. And I just pray for them today, Lord, that again you would secure them by speaking directly to their hearts, allowing them to make a confident decision to follow you because you are the great shepherd who leads us, guides us, takes us to still water, takes us to green pastures, protects us and secures our soul. 
Let our hearts not be troubled. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.